Hello, and welcome to episode 18 of Something Inventive, a festival of logos. I share the experience of my first podcast interview. We talk about logos and how people remember them, plus we dive into the new Apple Safari feature, Intelligent Tracking Prevention. So also, let me go into Audio Hijack, Zencaster Podcast, Record. Okay, can you hear me? Yeah. Now, Carl said to me, I need to sit close to my mic, so uh, I'm going to sit close to my mic. If Carl told you to do it, you must do it. He did. Well, you know, if a listener tells you to do it, you do it, right? So um, with starting a podcast, as you know, it's always difficult and, and saying, well, so, so what have you been up to, Al? I mean, that, that is, is tough. It might be better to actually just change things up a bit. And rather than having an intro, we just have topics. And that, so I can say, well, I went to the London Podcast Festival, and, and that's where you can just start there. Mm. And then we just break in with a sponsor, which might be better. So let me just adjust it that way. And we'll, we'll give it a go. We'll see how it works. You like podcasts, Al, don't you? Um, I, I don't listen to that many podcasts. To be honest, you're the sort of podcast king in that department, I think. I do. I, I do like them. And in fact, um, the reason I brought that up is I went to the London Podcast Festival. Um, it would be about two weeks ago now. I was interested to see some podcasts that I'd heard about or listened to live, just to see how how well they worked and what the people were like and what the interaction was like. Um, and it was good fun. It was really good fun. I went with my brother, Sebastian. Um, we had a great um, day, really. I won't dwell on this um, because some of these uh, podcasts people may not find, they're certainly not related to web development, but they are interesting. Let's put it that way. So the first one I went to uh, listen to, stroke C, was the Beef and Dairy Network. Now, it's not a farmer talking about uh, his his herd. It uh, At least it it isn't now. It may have started that way. It seems like a parody of a farming program. I'd never heard it before, um, so I didn't know what to expect. It was quite weird, but very funny. It was a bit like the League of Gentlemen. Have you seen that program? Yes. Yeah, it's a bit strange. Um, so I had uh, I had no idea to what what to expect. Um, but it was really funny. Um, they they were putting on a sort of a fake charity event for Boeuf Sans Frontières, or Beeves Without Borders, as they call it, because they say the plural of beef is beeves. <laughs> um, anyway, you can see where it goes from there. It was just very silly, and basically it was a stand-up. So they would all they had scripts, and they had four five people actually, uh, and they would stand up and basically run through their their play. Um, it was amusing, and I've I've listened to a few episodes now. And while I think it might be funny on occasion, I think it's it's just a bit too weird for me to listen to regularly. But I do recommend if you're into something a little bit different, uh, checking that out. That's the Beef and Dairy Network. Um, the next one we listened to or went to see was Judge John Hodgman. Um, now, I think it's a bit like Judge Judy, but funnier and more geeky. So it suited me down to the round. Again, I've never heard about this, but I have... I did keep hearing it advertised on other podcasts, but never quite got into it. I've definitely listened to it now and um, I'm subscribing to it. It's very funny. So if it, the premise is that a that someone will have a grievance, maybe a partner uh, against their, their husband uh, about how much TV they watch, um, how they make too much noise in bed, or um, I think the one we went to see was this guy was trying to create money using his computer, a bit like Bitcoin. I can't remember the currency it was, but he's trying to mine for this electronic currency. Uh, and she was complaining about how much energy it used and how horrible it was. Anyway, they basically attend this court and he will go through and, and hear all the evidence and make his ruling. Uh, and it's very funny in the way it's been done. Um, so that's Judge John Hodgman. The final one we went to see is The Complete Guide to Everything. Um, I think this was actually one of the first podcasts I ever listened to. Um, and at the time, it was two guys chatting through a, a topic. Um, the topic they were chatting through when, I, when we went to see them was sleeping. And essentially, they're just, they're just riffing. They've got some background research like uh, Wikipedia entries and so on. But basically, they're giving their own opinion. Um, and it's quite funny. It's, it's, again, a bit like the Beef and Dairy Network. It can be a bit much sometimes. And the, their rambling is, it was a bit too much to take without too much substance. But it was, it was good fun, actually. 
Um, really enjoyed the live versions, a lot of audience interaction. So that was the complete guide to everything. But that, yeah, it was good. So that's the London Podcast Festival. Um, I really enjoyed it. There were lots of diverse podcasts there. Unfortunately, there were too many for me to go to. A lot were during the week. Um, but it's good fun. Uh, but I think, Al, you, you're going to another kind of festival. Uh, is it next week? Uh, it's next week, yeah. And they say it's a, it's the Bath Digital Festival. And I, I live near Bath, so seems an appropriate place to go. Um, and they call it a festival, but there's not a lot of sort of lying around in fields drinking cider. <laughs> it's uh, more, well, for me anyway, it's going to be running across Bath to the various venues where they're holding their different <laughs> talks and seminars and things. Um, but um, yeah, I guess I'm just sort of um, being an advocate for going to these these kind of events. Um, in this particular one, I'm not sure if it'll still be around when the podcast goes out. It may have just passed. Mm. We'll see. Um this particular one is extremely good value. It's literally £15 for ev- anything you want to go to. So it's not per talk, that's for the entire event. And it's over five days with, I think, about 78 different talks and events and things, um, which isn't just web development, it's all sorts of things. So it's like staying safe online, it's um, things sort of aimed more at kids like Minecraft, and mm. um, there's some stuff going on in the Apple Store in Bath. Uh, related to kind of getting kids into like basic programming on the iPad um, and there's much more in-depth talks focusing on on things like um, you know digital advertising or you know um, Google Analytics mm-hmm. how robots are evolving things like this so it's all it's all sorts of various things I'm quite looking forward to this um, this one called the, uh, the blue dot um, generation <laughs> which is no oh, what's that about You've heard of that? No, no, I, I, I've not heard of that. No, I think it's maybe a phrase they've coined themselves, but I, I had to read it too. <laughs> I thought it was maybe people who don't read their email. <laughs> because there's a lot... Oh, are they talking about notifications? No, they're Those not. No, dots. they're not, funny enough, but that's what I thought. <gasps> right. Uh, so it's a great title, because I'm like, oh, blue dot. Because it's the blue dot you get when you don't read your email, isn't it? You get a little blue dot. And so I'm thinking, oh, it's people who just ignore email, and they've got lots of email in their inbox. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> I've got lots of blue dots. It's not that. It is. It is. It gives me. Uh, it gives me anxiety attack when I look at Al's inbox. Yeah. Of emails. No, I, I find it comforting, like a big duvet of emails. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's not that at all. So uh, the blue dot really represents you on a map when you look at Google Maps or other uh, map apps are available. Right. Um, the little blue dot is you, and you're in the middle of where, like, where you are, and like when you click on your location. And it's about this change in mindset of people where they're the centre of their universe mm. rather than the sun, traditionally, which is the centre of the universe. No, now it's everyone individually is the centre of their own universe. So I'm not sure I like, uh, but it, it is happening. So it's just the idea of everything personal and tailored to you. So it's kind of like personalisation. And it's also quite a lot to do with authentication, um, so yes, I'm, I'm kind of interested to go to that one because it's. I think that's quite far-reaching in terms of its. Um, mm. No, that sounds really good actually. Uh, um, when's that on? I, is that um, one I'm? Because I'm hoping to go on the Friday. That's on Wednesday. Oh, mm, Wednesday. That sounds really good. Um, yeah, and it's it's in a room that uh, or in a location that no other talk is going on in, so it feels like a real secret <laughs> secret meeting. <laughs> it's in this pub somewhere. On the other side of Bath, so I'm like, mm, okay, right. I should be able to see that. Does feel Google Maps, and I can be the centre of my world, trying to get. <laughs> it does feel to me similar to how children can be. They're very much um, if they want something, they'll they'll come up to you and just even if you're talking to someone else, you're talking to a friend, they'll demand attention mm. right now. Yeah. Um, because they they do think they are the centre of the world. I mean, that changes over time, but they do think they are the most important thing, and everything else is to help and serve them um so i wonder if that is an is an extension of the the people are maturing later in life maybe if, if we count that <laughs> maturity i mean if if this is yeah. the thing that people are going to grow up with that actually everything mm. is for them i mean that's a pretty selfish outlook isn't it yeah so we shall see i'm going to go along and with an open mind and um and then I'll just see what it's all about i can report back but it has a lot to do with authentication as well and i think that um uh, the, the idea that you're you're somewhere, but it, it kind of still knows in the shop it knows who you are, but without mm. having to log into anything, it's quite scary. So um, yeah, it's it's that. 
but there's lots of other things um so there's like a tesla car there to look at and dyson are there looking at i guess hoovers and other things <laughs> although dyson do a lot of other things now i read a really interesting thing about dyson recently they um they, they had some um i don't know what you like espionage like industrial espionage did you, did you hear about that so yeah. people from rival companies I, I can't name any because I, well, I don't know them. Um, World Dryer. I bet it was World Dryer. <laughs> Those guys. I think that's, I think that's, uh, that's slanderous, isn't it? Uh, uh, no. Well, that's my opinion. I, I can't remember. Which is, <laughs> I'm joking. I don't mean it. You write it down, isn't it? And slander is when you say it. Oh, I don't mean it. Sorry. put it in the show notes. It's both <laughs> slander and libel. <laughs> anyway. Cut this out. Cut this out. Okay. <laughs> Go on. Uh, anyway, some people from rival companies um, got a job at Dyson. And stole a lot of ideas and, and, and so forth. And apparently it's not illegal to do that from another company. You'd think it would be illegal. It isn't. Wow. And, um, I mean, I'm sure that sort of thing happens a lot. Well, it does, yeah. You have to vet people. Must do. Um, so what happens now at Dyson is that nobody knows all of the components for a, uh, for a product. Mm -hmm. And so I saw some um, thing online. People work on separate bits. And then they put it into this box uh, and everything is like bagged up so you can't see the other components. And then um, I guess somewhere down the line, someone has to compile this or a machine compiles it in the dark or something. <laughs> or you have to put it together with a blindfold on so you can't possibly know, you know, all of the components. My God, what the heck have you built? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> Just people building these hoovers yeah, in the dark. Like all the Dr. Zeus style hoovers. <laughs> You're like, oh my gosh, can't get to this, this through the front door. Although in some cases, Dyson Hoovers are so over-engineered that, yeah, you do need a degree in like engineering just to work out mm, all the bits to that together. I'm constantly swearing at mine. But, um, so it's not, it's what, which bit isn't illegal? Because surely if something is patented, they can't copy mm -hmm. it, they can't use it. And if it's, mm -hmm. if it's designs, plans, then they're copywritten, so they can't take them. They can't make a, take... Well, they can't. It's theft if they're stealing the actual paperwork, I imagine. And if they photograph it, it must be that must be a breach of copyright. So there must be, unless they can remember it in their mind, which I don't know if that's co covered by copyright. Um, well, you've seen the then, films. They've got these little cameras. Yeah, but that's that's breach of copyright. The moment you copy it in whatever method. Um, no, all I know is that it may not be. It may what it may not be illegal to get a job at another company to mm. find out what they're doing, mm. and that does make sense to me because you know, I, um, you know. Yeah, I can't. I can't think that would be illegal. I'm not sure, but oh wow, fascinating. Yeah, I know. It's a bit like do you, um, do you remember the Monty Python sketch with the world's funniest joke, and people are only allowed to know a little bit of it because if they got more than two lines, they they died from laughing. <laughs> it's a bit like that. I do. I must go back and watch some of those sketches. They're quite funny. I did. Um, I did share some of them are quite rude, so I can't. But I did share some of them. At least the the, the Ministry of Silly Walks with my boys mm. um and in fact it's difficult to share all of it because they've got uh, a lot of swearing <laughs> the stuff in it but the first part of it they were in hysterics watching this guy um oh john cleese john cleese walking down the street um in his um patented silly walk really mm. it's, it was brilliant it was very very funny mm. um, which mr bean seems to have taken over that aspect yeah but, yeah um we yes. So, so one of the things you, you were mentioning earlier when we were talking about these festivals and, and going to events is, is why, why we do that. So what is it, what is it about these things that attract you, Mel? Um, I don't have to work that day. <laughs> so I can just walk around Bath and, you know, see the sights and go to a few, um, uh, a few talks and still get paid. So that's, that's, oh, so that, it's, that's so it's the skiving on aspect, not, not the um, <laughs> continual learning and development of your brain. Oh, so you that. become a better person. Sorry. No, it is that. Now you, now you oh, mention it. It is that. Sorry. I, I yes. Um, exactly. It's good to sort of get a, yeah, just a feel for um, technology and how it's moving forward. I don't always l like that. So it's, it, in a sense, it, for me, it, it's quite, it's quite not reassuring, but I find it interesting. Even if I don't, mm like the direction i'm still interested in finding out about it so there's a whole thing about driverless cars there's a two-hour thing on that which i'm going to on 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 the friday which is not going to help me day to day um but it's something i'm interested in and worried about so to learn about it can only help i think so 
Yeah, no, I agree. I don't think that uh, the specific talk on driverless cars is going to bring uh, any direct information into you know, web development or design. But there may be an approach that they have or something they say that will um, have an effect later down the line. Um, you know, even with the, the, pod, the podcast festival, they're all comedy podcasts. I don't think any have a direct relationship to um, improving what we do day to day, but they might improve this podcast. They might make this more interesting. And we have loosely talked about maybe doing some type of live version of this podcast. Well, now I've seen a few, I, that might... <laughs> <laughs> you haven't told me that. Um, um, well, I've posited that maybe we should do a live version of this podcast. And it's very um, great for you to do that solo, Ben, I think. <laughs> um, but just watching these other podcasts, you can get a feel for what might be useful or interesting that, you know... To, to, to add to our podcast or advising clients. So there's definitely something useful. Yeah, even if it's something you know and someone else tells you it, it's like, oh, that is right, what I know. Because <laughs> there's, mm. there's a lot to know in, in technology. It's always changing. So it's, it is useful you know, to hear an expert or, well, a self-professed expert in some cases talk about these things. And you do get bad talks. I did go to a couple a few years ago at Bath um, Festival when it was a bit smaller Mm. But frankly, yeah, it was, a, it was a little bit of a waste of time. But mm. you don't really know until you've sort of sat through it. But some of them are really good, like the Guardian one from a few years back. That was really interesting. Some guys from Guardian about? on how they how they created um, this system for being able to just collect content from journalists. And you can imagine a journalist is, is in some war-torn country somewhere. They mm. don't want to be logging in, you know, having any problems trying to get the words down and the photos to back to base as it were so they created their own little um system for kind of getting the content uh, and being able for the, also for them to be able to sort of lay out where the photos go and so forth really as quickly as they could and just also about their site and how it works on different um screen sizes and things so yeah that was quite interesting uh and this year the the sort of headliner talk is from that west on cybersecurity and scams mm -hmm. which again is useful for anybody like how not to get caught in a scam and there's so many now and you know that i think that really is like the, the modern sort of criminality um trend is you know online scamming of people happens mm, a lot yeah. someone i just read someone who lives around here got recently scammed it's often they target the elderly or they target the elderly but the elderly pick up on the scams and this guy man uh, this guy actually got talked into sending seventy five thousand pounds in cash oh, in a taxi to london to the supposedly to the police um luckily the taxi driver kind of noticed something was a bit weird about this whole thing and didn't deliver the money so that was really good he kept it for himself didn't he <laughs> oh that's a nice tip uh no no um he did the right thing I and, know, um, it is, it's a shame so sad all sorts of stuff like this goes on so um yeah you've got to educate yourself a little bit on all these things generally so these sort of festivals are they're not just for people in the tech industry i would say and it's also just interesting to be around lots of other people who are sort of work or interested in this kind of thing. And it's not networking. Yeah. There are some networking events too, and there are some evening of social events. So I, I just tend tend to avoid, I, I kind of like the ones where, you know, it's more um, um, maybe question and answer ones or just, mm. or a talk. Um, in some ways, I'm networking I, for the sake of it, if you see what I mean. Mm. In some ways, though, I think it is the best form of networking because you've got a group of people, hopefully like-minded or, you know, uh, assembling in one location to learn about something. And then during the breakout sessions for coffee or I think they had a nice lunch last time um, that you just get chatting with other people. But you're not talk, having to talk about yourself or them. You're, you can talk about what they thought of the, the talk. And I think it's a really nice um, icebreaker. Another thing I recommend people go and see, uh, and this is in Herefordshire, it's a local law firm in Hereford, and it's called Kidwell's Law, and they have an event on GDPR, which is the new law coming in in May, and so we'll be attending that. I think they're already fully booked for October, but they've got more slots in November, so if your business doesn't know anything about GDPR and would like to know the legal standing, I think it'd be worth going to that. And then that'll help inform everything else, how you deal with your data internally and externally marketing and so on. So it's definitely worth going to that event. I think if you just search for Kidwell's, Kidwell's Law GDPR event, it should come up and it's Eventbrite. Definitely have a look at that. Mm, I think there are a few um, of those. There's one in this, uh, in the Bath one as well, but unfortunately it's in a different place, so I can't mm. get to it. And it clashes with another thing. 
but um, I think yes, if you look around, there will be more of those um, those kind of um, seminars and so forth from legal experts. In fact, I believe we're talking about that on our next podcast, Ben, unless I'm mistaken. Yeah, we're sending our correspondent Claire to. Um, she's attending the October one. I can't go then. I'm going in November. So she's attending. She's going to report back. Um, and, and and she's also looking into um, information commissioner's office, and they've got some guidance on that. So she's going to give us. How, how we're managing ourselves, how rather inventive is managing through GDPR so we are um, compliant when the time comes and we're just going to share that with you. So no pressure, Claire. <laughs> I'm going to move on uh, to our sponsor, which we've changed this time. We're going to be, uh, we're going back to TikTok. We've made some developments to it and updated the information in there. So I want to, want to push back on this and uh, see what people think. So TikTok is for any startup or small business who wants to promote themselves online and just needs a little bit of help. So if you don't know where to start, who to trust, or you feel too busy running your company to make time for marketing, TikTok might be a good fit for you. It provides you with simple tasks to act on right away, and each task includes examples, downloads, or steps needed to complete it, or even a link off to another site, whatever helps you get it done. We've designed TikTok so you can progress from newbie to pro at your own speed, developing confidence and learning more with each task. You can sign up for a free 30-day trial at ticked-off.com with just your name and email and no credit card. However, little bonus for you guys listening. If you let us know you've signed up by mentioning at Rather Inventive on Twitter, I will give you a year free. That's a full 360 days of TikTok for nothing. Um, all I ask in return is that you use it and give us any feedback Um, because really with a service like this it's down to how valuable people think it is and that would be really uh, really kind of the something inventive listeners if you would take us up on that and and check it out so TikTok helps you be the boss of your marketing one task at a time okay so just a little bit more on podcasts um, and then we'll get on on some other things so I had my first interview on another podcast um, just last week, which was quite exciting. Um, it's called the Mac and Forth podcast. And if you want to search for it, uh, the episode that I was on anyway, if you search for Mac and Forth episode 131, you'll find it. Um, so Mac and Forth, I met Carl, the host of the show, a um, couple of months ago at some Apple nerdy conference that I went to. Very much enjoyed because I am an Apple nerd. Um so I met him at the conference, we kept in touch, and, and there was always the promise of a curry in Brick Lane, and I couldn't pass up that chance. So I went to see him, I think, the week before that, and um, had a great time. In fact, that was at, at the, um, the podcast festival. So uh, Carl was actually a person down on his podcast the following week, so he invited me on to come and chat about things. And his podcast is all about Apple products and um, iOS, iPhone, Mac, all that sort of stuff. So while I very much am in that in area and I know a lot about it, I was quite nervous. And I spent about an hour writing down all my thoughts just to make sure I was completely clear on what I thought about things. Because um, I, I know it all. I know a lot of this stuff and I know quite technically, I know how I feel about these things, but it was quite nerve wracking. Um, but it was um, it went very well, and uh, Carl was a very good host. He he managed to herd herd us along and, and keep it to an hour of uh, of time on the podcast, which was brilliant. Um, went very well, and yeah. So I think just a couple of learning points for me is that one, I want to do more podcast interviews. So if there's anyone out there who does listen to our podcast and has a podcast or knows someone who runs a podcast, I I would love to come on and um, you know help run that podcast and and give my opinion on whatever I can within the Apple or marketing or web development sphere. Um, I'm really keen to meet new people in that area. So it's something I want to do more of. And the only way of doing that is just to start with the first podcast. So I do appreciate Carl for uh, letting me come on. Um, And because I was a little bit nervous, I did spend that hour before preparing everything, just basically writing down all the things that we thought we might talk about. I think we only touched on 10% of them, but it was nice to have them there in the background. So it's really useful. So I'm going to recommend you go and listen to Carl's show. It's a great UK Apple podcast, lots of banter. And really, if there's anything you want to know about latest Apple news, go and listen to that. So thank you again, Carl. 
So moving on, I came across this website called Branded in Memory. I'm not actually sure where I got it from or where I found it, but it's fascinating. It's basically they took a survey of 150 Americans drawing 10 famous logos. And I'm just going to have a look at the website to remember what they are. Um, They were Apple, Adidas, Burger King, Domino's, 7-Eleven, Foot Locker, um, Starbucks. I was trying to think then because it's just got the logo without the name. (laughs) Walmart, Target and Ikea. Um, It was brilliant. So basically what they've done is taken these 150 Americans and asked them to draw these 10 logos from memory as accurately as they could. So they had about 1,500, well, they had exactly 1,500 drawings. And it's just fascinating looking at the drawings. And basically, the website presents them uh, like a case study of each of these company logos. And it's fascinating to see what people remember and what they find as the important bit of each logo. I'm not going to talk through all the logos, but you really should go and have a look at the website. Um, I think it's signs.com slash branded hyphen in hyphen memory. We'll put in the link in the show notes definitely worth looking at um just a couple of things i pulled out of it before we uh before i get your opinion al is that 80 percent of people recalled the correct colors Mm. of a logo Mm. which i think that's quite important isn't it but shapes and specific elements were much harder Mm. um another thing they found in the summary is that changing logos radically confuses people and you'll actually notice the burger king logo changed quite a lot over the period of time it's been uh, active as a company. And when people are recalling the logo from memory, they're actually sometimes recalling older logos, not the current logo. That's true. Mm. Yeah, which is it's fascinating. Simple logos are better. So the simpler, the better. And I think out of the, the 10 they did, IKEA came top with 80%, 86% had of the IKEA drawings were good, recognisable as IKEA. Starbucks actually had the lowest. 23% were recognisable as good drawings. It's a really fiddly logo, the Starbucks logo, isn't it? Yeah. But I actually think, I like the Starbucks logo. I think it's it's really, it's quite defined. I'm not actually sure what she is. I assume it's a woman it's, and it looks like with fish hands. Like a mermaid. Yeah, mermaid. <laughs> I think. Yeah. Um, it's a good, I think it's a nice, nicely designed logo. And in fact, if you if you look at the history of it, it starts off quite, because um, it shows the history of each logo. And, it, and you can see that starting in 1971, it's, the logo is a small part of it with Starbucks coffee, tea and spices around, around the side. And then they riff on that and refine it and refine it and refine it until we just have the, the mermaid. Yeah, it is a mermaid, actually, because you can see it in the original logo. It's much yeah. clearer. And they're her mm. tails or something? I'm not sure. Yeah, that's not her fishy hands. That's her tail. <laughs> She's got two tails, which is unusual for a mermaid. It, it is, yeah. Drinking too much coffee. That's what yeah, it is. Yeah, that's it. Too much coffee. So what I find fascinating about this site is not, um, it's not so much how people recall them, although that is useful information, but it's really interesting to see how these logos have evolved over time. And to me, they're evolving towards the simplistic and the simpler. They're, they're removing unnecessary elements where possible. Mm. I, some of them are very very funny <laughs> because they are just so so uh, often and one of them on, uh, on Domino's someone's drawn the Pizza Hut logo so you get this kind of crossover as well between different <laughs> brands and this confusion uh, which are, is really interesting but obviously yeah. people would recognise the logo when they see it but they don't really see it and, and they remember it but they don't really see. And I think you're right. They just see the colours and the general shape. But everything else in the middle is just sort of something <laughs> that they'll just recognise. But that's it. Or they make things up. So with the Apple logo, what a lot of people did is they drew a stalk because they knew something was coming out of it, out of the top. So they, they, they pictured then what they remember as an apple and they drew a stalk coming out of it. But actually the Apple logo does not have a stalk. It has a leaf coming out because that's a symbolic representation of a stalk and a leaf together. So they're just, they've simplified that logo. Um, some people were colouring it red because that's how they picture an apple or green. And really, actually, the, the, the main apple logo is um, grey, but you do see it in different colours um, in, in different spaces. So actually, the, I think the apple logo could be a variety of different colours depending on what it's on or what it's advertising. Mm-hmm. But it's the shape that's important. But you don't get much more simple logo than the apple logo, no. do you? No, no. And that people have gone wildly off piste with what it is, which is 
which is really fascinating. Um, what was the other interesting one? Oh, Burger King. Yeah, so I found Burger King oh, quite yeah. interesting because a lot of people remember the older logo, which, um, or they remember elements of the older logo. And I, what I find brilliant is that, and I, and I would have thought this too, that a lot of people drew a crown. So it was what twenty one percent of people drew a crown, and that's. In some ways, I think, yeah, well, that sounds right, but it's not. I don't think that ever appeared in their logo apart from in 1957, they had a picture of what looks like a king sat on a burger with a crown on it. Um, And in 1954, they've got a very interesting logo. It looks quite modern, actually, but it looks like a sunrise um, sort of coming up, but it's all in black and white. And at no point has the logo designer gone, aha, we've got the word king here. We could use a crown. In this. It's like a gift, isn't it? And they've not, it's never been used. But maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's the thing. Maybe they should, maybe that's something they should incorporate. I don't know. Does anyone else have the, um, have the word king in and then use a king symbol? Maybe there's, there's a problem. Oh, there. There's lots of, sort of things like yeah. that. Maybe it's because it's sharp and pointy. People don't want to think, associate that with food. Mm. I'm thinking that's what I'm thinking it might be. But looking at, looking at the Burger King one, I mean, they, they evolved quite dynamically between 1954 and 1957, then settled on the um, the main logo in 1969, which is the words Burger King in between two two uh, buns, two bun hearts. Mm. And that mm. that actually got more complicated, unlike a lot of the others. Yes. They've actually they've, they've given it a bit of um, skew. They've put a nice swooshy blue circle around it what does it add yeah it does make it look more dynamic but what yeah you're right does it add anything more is it actually complicating the logo fascinating do you think you can arrive at the logo which is just it's fine and you don't need to mess with it apple haven't apart from their very first one which seems to be possibly would would suit on the side of a sort of vintage cider (laughs) it does do you want to describe it for us Um, yeah, let me just scroll up to it because I can. I, again, I'm trying to remember it from memory. Yeah, it's it's someone sitting under a tree. It's all sort of hand drawn and just yeah. It just Would it be like, like New- Newton sitting under a tree? Is it, is it representing that? Yeah, there seems to be some sort of apple mm. floating above his head, and then it's all very oldie worldy, isn't it? Don't you think that? I mean, that was Hobbit. ninety from 1976, and the logo looks like yeah. it's drawn in the the ni- uh, late 18th century. Dug it up somewhere, well, and then immediately, and a year later, they're like, "No, this isn't." Yeah, and you look. You, does not represent computing. You, you see the the logo from nineteen seventy seven. That's a good year, by the way, uh, in nineteen seventy seven, and it's it is it is the modern logo, and in fact, it looks more it more modern than the ones from two thousand and two and two thousand and seven. Um, I appreciate for a lot of people listening, this must be quite difficult because we're describing very, very visual things. So I, I encourage you to go and have a look um, at the site now if you haven't already. You know. You feel free to stop listening and go and have a look. It's brilliant. There's a lot of information in here, and they've 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 done a good job putting it all together. Um, and they've actually uh, what they've tried to do is take some of the logos that people have hand drawn badly in some cases, and and sort of visualise them more graphically, and then imprint them on something that might be recognisable or, or linked with that logo. So, for example, on Starbucks, they've they've printed the star- various different Starbucks logos onto a Starbucks coffee cup. I love that. It's so That's amazing. They've really done, done a good job with this. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I recommend everyone have a look. It's, it's brilliant. It's, it's really good. If you're, if you're thinking about designing a logo, I'd definitely have a look, look at this and read through their conclusion. There's some great ideas here. Um, well done, Ikea, on um, coming up with uh, a logo that's the most recognisable. Um, it does raise a good question, doesn't it? Like... When people, people often want to redesign their logos, like business owners and so forth, don't mm-hmm. they? But is that because they're bored mm-hmm. with it? Or do you think that's because it no longer represents what they do or is easily recognisable? I do sometimes think people want to change their logo because they're a bit bored yeah. with it. But you know, Apple kind of haven't done yeah. that. I'm sure they're bored with looking at it, but they know that it's recognisable. And they, they're within the, the bounds of the logo... They can change the colour or they've made it sort of 3D-ified, didn't they, a little mm-hmm. while after 2000. Now it's gone sort of flat again. Um, but the shape hasn't really changed at all. Um, no, in fact, the shape... Yeah, what is the driver behind changing a logo when it... it does it matter? Yeah. I mean, what 
is it the colours that are just more important? Well, it does seem from from this, from this research. I don't know how um, scientific the research is, but it seems fairly well thought out. Um, it does look like colour is incredibly important in in recognition, and having a colour that differentiates you is is important. Shape. But what's a logo for? Like, is it to, to represent what you're doing? Mm. So, like for IKEA, does that mix of yellow and and blue kind of say? This is good value. Like, does it? It sort of looks strong but cheap. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Mm. So it's like, does your logo is your logo meant to represent what you do, or is it what it, you know? What's it for? Because really, if you're just running a solicitors, you're not going to see this logo on huge hoardings every day all the time. But you might see it on a letterhead every now and again. You just need that sort of recognition and that sort of stamp of approval that it is from who you think it is. And I wonder where logos really came from. Like, why do we need logos mm -hmm. at all? Why not just a company name? Why not just um, a printed font? And that's it. Mm. Yeah, I, I think for me, it is, it's about recognition and consistency. So you have, when you see something from said company, you know that who it is. It's like a, a seal almost. I guess maybe it comes back to seals. So you would have had um, people of nobility having a certain seal to prove it was them. Maybe it comes from that. Um, I think it may be all right. Yeah. Yeah. So some history. Maybe I'll ask Lou uh, to dig into the history. She she's interested in that. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. For, for me, a logo is is just about uh, being able to be recognised by people. So the simpler the better. To be honest, you obviously don't want it too simple because then it might look like another symbol. I mean, our logo is very simple. It's uh, the idea behind it, although it's not strictly accurate. Is it's a like a scientific symbol with. Um, um, the shortened version, the, the, the element name or element identifier in a box. So we've got a blue box with R-I with an uppercase R and a lowercase I. Um, to be like a, yeah, a scientific symbol, it's very loose in that respect. And in fact, it started off with a few speech bubble, um, square speech bubbles beneath it. But we removed those because they were just, they actually made the logo an awkward size. Um, but I don't mm. think our logo is particularly um, defined. It might be recognisable now to people because of the colour and, and it's just a block of blue. But there's probably a lot of other um, logos that are very similar to that. Um, for me, it is, it is just trying to maintain some, some consistency. So whatever logo you start with is to keep um, either keep using the same logo or evolve it slowly over time to be something that is simple because it is the consistency of your brand that is, is, is important. Mm. What's nice about it, it, it is sort of full circle. So we're sort of doing the inventive things, you know, we're like inventors, but yes, on mm. the web. Um, so the element thing is kind of scientific and it's sort of all subliminal. It still feels yes. right. Yeah. I think we also had an idea that we might have different uh, elements to the business, which could be represented by different oh, elements. No, I, <laughs> For me, what, what comes out of this is colour is extremely important. So people will recognise the colour. And shape is uh, more difficult to recognise, or at least get right. But the simpler, the better. The simpler the shape is, the more recognisable, uh, the, the easier it is for people to recall it. Um, so mm. definitely have a, go and have a look. They've also got a fun slider in the summary. So let me just scroll down and find one. Um, so you've got, it's called Logo Gallery. And you can basically pick a logo like, uh, let's say, Burger King. And you can basically scroll from less accurate to more accurate and compare the current logo with what people think on the right hand side. And you can basically scroll through all of the different ones um, rated in accuracy. And it's brilliant. So, um, yeah, I think uh, just just to end on this and I might I might use this as an experiment. We often go to Premier Inn to, to stay and my children are very good at picking out the, um, the purple colour, particularly, but also the moon. Um, now I can't remember if, whether the moon has a face in it or not, but I know it's purple and I'm well, the real moon, like just the moon like of the leg. I'm just going to check now actually, just to make sure. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. In right. So it's a moon actually facing the other way. Yeah. It's a moon. It's got a face in it. It's a white moon. It's a white moon on a purple background with some gold stars. How about that? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to see if they can, um, without, seeing the logo i'm going to see if they can recall that from memory maybe a few others and if if that comes out well i'll post them on the show notes so 
Something else I just want to touch on before we finish is Safari Intelligent Tracking Prevention. So this is something introduced by Apple in their new release of High Sierra, which is their Mac operating system. So I've upgraded to that. Al, you probably haven't, um, because often you don't need to. Um, I think in this particular release of the operating system, there weren't many what they call user-facing features. There's lots of under-the-cover stuff, and I always want to upgrade. There's a few things that are very useful for me, but uh, for most people, it's not going to make a huge amount of difference. Um, there are some speed increases, though. However, there's one thing that was introduced in High Sierra and, in fact, in iOS 11 for iPhones and iPads, which is this intelligent tracking prevention. So I'll just briefly explain how this works and how it might affect people from an advertising point of view, um, although I'm sure Google will have their way around it. So basically, Safari, which is Apple's browser, will aim to block access to cookies after a 24-hour period. So the way this works is that third-party cookies, which are cookies from other websites that are not the one you're visiting. So these are advert tracking cookies, and they're used to know whether you have visited that particular page so they can track you on other sites. Those cookies will be deleted straight away after you move on unless you interact or click on them. So if you were to go through to that ad, via the ad tracking page, then they will keep that for 24 hours. So what that means is it allows the advertiser to know what other websites you visit um, linked to that same user within 24 hour period so that they can um, sell ads that remarket to you. So these adverts are ones that you might see after you've looked at um, a pair of shoes on Amazon. You might go and look at other sites or other blogs and you see adverts for that pair of shoes popping up. That's remarketing. So they're, they're able to find out who you are within that 24-hour period. After that, Apple um, obfuscate it or scrub it or delete them um, so that advertisers can't tell it's you revisiting those sites. So that's... It Sounds does. And I think for a lot of people, that's quite handy because it's, it's giving advertisers some ability to follow you for a little bit after. But if after 24 hours you have not um, interacted again, then they're going to delete those. So they have no chance of following you. Um, I think it's a short amount of time, though, just a day. I don't think that's enough time. But, you know, the idea of it is is good. It's putting the control back onto the user in the browser, isn't it, rather than the ad people who would probably want that cookie to remain on there forever. I think the, I think the problem and the reason this has been brought in is because this tracking can be taken to limits, really. And it's possible through various advertisers to find out a user's exact browsing history because they have so much access to different sites that they can actually mm. find out which sites you visit and have build up a really good profile of you. So what this is doing is just removing the ability for them to do that so effectively. It still allows mm. them to do effective remarketing because if you go to Amazon, you can then go to another blog later within that 24-hour period and you're still going to they're still going to be able to push adverts for those shoes for you. So I think it still works in their favour. What it doesn't allow them to do is build up this digital profile of you without you knowing about it. Because I think a lot of people aren't aware that they have so much information. So um, broadly speaking, I think it's a really good thing. I'm, I, I think remarketing is um, interesting, can be useful in certain places, but certainly we don't, as a user, you want to maintain... Um, your user history where possible, or at least not give that out completely for free to other people. Um, there is, you can turn it off. You, if, you, if you're able to go into Safari, in whether you're on Mac or on iOS, you can go and turn this off so that this intelligent tracking prevention isn't used anymore. But I believe it's on by default. So most people who upgrade to the latest versions will um, have this rule uh, applied. Another thing it does is it will delete all cookies from a site or that relate to a site, if you have not visited it within 30 days. So for people who visit a magazine website with lots of adverts on it, but then don't come back within 30 days, the, the cookies that they put on your computer are deleted, and so you look like a completely new visitor again. So I'm more interested in seeing how that will work from a Google Analytics point of view. Is that going to skew results? So 
in terms of understanding how often people are returning to your site. So that will be interesting to watch. And I'm not sure uh, we, we know the impact of that yet. Um, certainly because uh, High Sierra hasn't been out for more than 30 days. So we'll see how that, that pans out. And, and to me, that's slightly different. So we've got two things here we're looking at. We've got tracking by third parties of your browsing across multiple websites, which is one thing. And I, I do believe that we should restrict control of that. And that's what intelligent tracking prevention does. And then on the other hand, we've got Google Analytics, which is just looking at how people interact on your site. Now, again, I think people can go too far and you can get a lot of tracking, which collects almost too much information and becomes probably unusable by the company because it's just too much. But I think it is useful to know what where people come from, uh, loosely, even if it's just social media, you don't need to know the exact post they came from, but just knowing they came from Facebook is quite useful. And then knowing what path they took through the site is very handy to understand what of your content is useful. But I can see over time that there's going to be a restriction on that and that Safari may add more restrictions in. So it's going to be... It's going to be an interesting one to watch. One thing I wish they, um, the sort of ad remarketing system would employ is that once you have actually bought something or signed yeah. up to a, a service that is been on your ad, yeah. it's still there. And I'm getting adverts to things. I'm already a member. I, I did buy it. Stop handing me to buy it. I'm, I am a customer. And actually, it does a reverse. I'm like, oh, so you don't even realize I'm a customer. Well, that's just great. Yeah. Thanks and very I, much. That- <laughs> You know, you don't value me at all because you haven't, you still think I haven't bought those shoes. Well, I did buy the shoes. You know, That's so. right. And that is possible mm. to do by remove, once they've gone through a certain checkpoint, then you can remove them from a list or move them into another list, which excludes them from this marketing list. Uh, it's all possible. It's just perhaps lazy mm. in some cases. Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. It'd be nice if it just said, thanks very much for signing yeah. up. <laughs> oh, cool. Maybe it <laughs> yeah. says we're going to pay not well, to show you an app. It's telling me something you Just to show know. you blank ones. They're pay- yeah, they are paying. They're using the money I'm giving them for the subscription mm. or whatever. Um, I'm just taking LastPass as an example. I went to the LastPass site because we've signed up with them. Uh, and wherever I go, I see mm. LastPass ads. And it's like, I'm, I'm a member, so stop stop spending the money that I'm giving you on pointless ads to me, which I don't need to see because I'm a But often yeah. with those, they're not paying until you click on them. So for some things, you get a certain amount of brand recognition. Mm. So it might be that, um, I don't think Apple do this, but let's say I were to go to Apple and buy a product from there. It may be in Apple's interest not to try and sell me the product I've already bought, but to sell me other things that are um, accessories to or similar to that particular product. Um, just to keep yeah. showing in that uh, those adverts as a brand awareness tool rather than to hammer home, buy this product. It's had lots of anger from ad companies as well. A lot of, um, the, I think the big six ad companies have been up in arms about this, um, which, you know, I totally understand. It was, uh, it, it's, it's, it's funny, actually. It's something they've known about since the developer conference from Apple where, where it was announced that this was going to come in. But it was only a couple of weeks beforehand that they started publishing articles and, and getting antsy about it. So uh, it's certainly interesting to hear their opinion. And I totally understand it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect how they advertise um, but they've always found ways around, around things. And hopefully what I, what I believe is, is that they can find a better way to advertise because I'm not against advertising. I think it's very useful. And I think some of the best ads can really draw you in and, and help you buy the product in a positive way. And in fact, a good experience of that is Grammarly. Um, I saw the ad first for Grammarly, which is um, a spell checking service you can use on your, in your browser. And I saw it first as a pre-roll video advert in YouTube. And it was just interesting enough that caught my attention. And um, I was able to click through, sign up for the service. And then through a gentle amount of small advertising, I then paid up for um, for the yearly service as well. So because I found it useful. So they got me to try the product because they had some promises. Those promises held true. And um there was more stuff if I, if I were to spend a little bit more money for the year. So that worked, and that was really positive. Talking of YouTube pre-roll adverts, um, I've been seeing a lot of Vimeo adverts really? on YouTube recently, which is I thought was interesting. Yeah, constant. I get a lot of <laughs> adverts for Vimeo on YouTube, which I find interesting. I'm thinking, are YouTube? Do you <laughs> YouTube know about this? <laughs> and then so um, Vimeo are advertising on their kind of major competitor, mm-hmm. I guess, in that respect. So oh, I, what's I the advert for? What are they selling? Having to sort of use that platform. They're selling like Vimeo business, you know, saying you need quality videos on your site. Interesting. Use Vimeo. And I'm thinking, hang on a minute. 
I'm actually watching YouTube right now. They can do that as well. So, uh, yeah, I found that quite interesting. I see lots, lots of things. Fascinating. Yeah. So have you, yeah. uh, I wonder if that was triggered by you going on Vimeo, watching something and then, then kicking over to YouTube and, and you're wow. part of this remarketing now. I haven't been on Vimeo recently, so I don't okay. think so. Well, so, so they're just running an advert campaign. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so yeah. I, I do think ads, ads can work very well, but they've just got to be, you've got to find the right approach. Um, it's not about hammering people over the head. It's about finding something that they're interested in and giving them that. So I've got a couple of links I'll add in. Um, there's one from TechCrunch, uh, just sort of more generally talking about how it works. And... Um, I think it's enabled by default, but if you want to turn it on and off, I'll, I'll add an article on how to do that as well. Um, I think that's it, Al, unless there's anything else you want to add. No, I am done. Excellent. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I've, I've got a new signing off process. Um, let's see how it goes. Hopefully we can fit everything in. So if you want to find the show notes for this episode, you can just visit our website. So if you go to ratherinventive.com forward slash podcast, you'll see a list of all the podcasts there. And the latest one will be at the top. In there, we've got a blog, blog article and it's got a list of all the things that we mentioned, plus all the ways to contact us. Do go and check that out because there is a lot of valuable information in there. You can get in touch on Twitter. I'm at Ben Kinnaird and Al is at Inventive Al. Do get in touch if you like anything about the show or you've got some comments. So just a quick mention of the sponsor to finish off. If you go to ticked-off.com and sign up, and mention us on Twitter, at Rather Inventive. We'll give you 360 days of free use. And all I ask is just a bit of feedback. Just let me know how it went for you. Finally, if you want to be part of the show, you can send us your business, marketing, and creativity questions for the next episode as a tweet to at Rather Inventive, or you can email hello at ratherinventive.com. Or if you would like to tweet your service or product that you'd like to promote, just mention at Rather Inventive and the hashtag podvert and we'll read it out over the coming episodes that's completely free and as a bonus you also get a link to your product or service in our show notes too thanks very much for listening and we'll see you next month bye